watch the headbutts and elbows. No rabbit punches, no low blows. This will not be a clean fight, so protect yourself at all times. The underdogs are coming for the throne. This is the B-Sides Boxing Podcast. Well, I mean, I was going to give it the, um, the old cold start unrelated discussion. Uh, like Nathan, you and I've talked about this on ultimate fucking casual, but, uh, drip. Are you on threads? Um, I don't believe so. No. Oh man. Oh, wait, wait. The, the, the new Twitter app. Yeah. The Twitter replacement. Yeah, sure. Actually, I am on it. Yes, sorry. I couldn't think of it for a second. I thought Threads was like the um, clothing thing where it's under a box of clothes like every week. But that's Thread Beast. Oh. I don't know why I got that mixed Beast? up. Thread yeah, Beast? Yeah, they I've heard like, of Thread Beast, yeah. It's yeah, like it's a monthly like box of. They send you an outfit every month. Yeah, something like that. My, one of my friends uses it, and I got it mixed up with Threads. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Not related to Mr. Beast? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. That sounds like something that he would do, though. It does. Probably. I can see how somebody would draw that parallel. Uh, but we mentioned it on um, on UF Cash, so we have to mention it here on B-Sides. We're on Threads, LVX Media Net, and um, I fixed it. It used to be just WhatsApp for texting. Now it works on anything. So um, for the dumb fuck takes that I'm about to give, please feel free to... Let me know what you think about those. Uh, all right, <laughs> first um, intro topics here. Before we get into those, let's do let's do the old uh, dog and pony show here. This is B sides boxing. <laughs> my name's Leo. I'm joined by my good pals here, uh, Drip and Nathan. Nathan, you may or may not recognize from the Ultimate Fucking Casual. He's one of my Ultimate Fucking Counselors over there. So, so that that's kind of fun. Um, we talked about it over there. Francis Ngannou and Tyson Fury. So this uh, this is happening. Shameful. shameful, 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 shameful. This is happening. So Drip, start us off here. Like, what are what are your immediate reactions? Uh, kind of like how we talked over some beers the other week. Yeah. Um, stupid idea. I'm not a fan of it. Um, probably some back end. Like, hey, we're gonna fuck around for like 10, 11 rounds. At the end, I'm gonna KO you. I, I'm sure there's some just weird back end work to that for a big payday. At the end of the day, though, uh, probably not going to watch it. Definitely not going to buy it. Not going to support it. I think it's a stupid idea. And I don't know how Tyson Fury keeps getting away with it. Like, someone stop <laughs> You him. can't keep getting away with it! Reaction in the breaking can't keep getting away with it. He can't keep getting away, <laughs> with, getting away with it! Like, I know we talked about it being sanctioned, too. So, like, it's going to go on their records, which... I mean, I guess Floyd and McGregor did it, so... Yeah whatever but i don't know. i just think it's dumb because how are his belts not gonna be on the line now how's it gonna be a sanctioned fight without his belts being on the um, line sanctioned I mean, I by the, the british board versus wbc uh yeah no overall not a fan oh look pbc is on threads cool this really is such a terrible fight because you know if there was a chance that Fury could lose, at least we'd have that to fall back on. Like, oh, he gets his head taken off, we never have to deal with him ever again. But, I mean, the man went three fights with Deontay Wilder, and he's still around. Uh, and Wilder boxes significantly better than Francis does, so it's hard to really see this not just being a clown show. Yeah. 
I'm expecting it to be kind of like a... I don't think th- that the script will get leaked, but I think that there is one. that there, Or there, there <laughs> will be one. Like, box, uh, rounds one, two, like uh, Fury's, oh, I don't know how to deal with his, uh, you know, unconventional movements and everything. and This whole thing to make it look good for both of them. He's brought the MMA angles into the boxing ring. <laughs> <laughs> so I stop him. There's only four angles in a boxing ring, but there's eight in the octagon, so... That's what the Irish people yeah, were telling I, me in Vegas when I was there for uh, Maymac. I'm, I'm just wondering if like Will and Gandhi even land a good hit. Like, I, I just really can't see this fight ending any other way. Tessa Fury just dicking around him all twelve. Even if it goes twelve rounds, I don't know if it's gonna go all twelve. But is Gandhi even gonna land like a decent hit at all? Is he gonna gas by like round two? I have so many questions, and just the more answers I get, the more questions I have. I I wouldn't be surprised if he like caught him with a grazing shot or a clubbing shot just because he fights like so uncoordinated i, I <laughs> could imagine fury just shelling up and like taking one behind the back of the head but i don't think it's gonna he's not gonna i don't know if he's gonna put him down i'd be actually i'd be surprised if tyson fury hit the mat once when you said he fights uncoordinated my immediate reaction was the usual description that i give and then I caught myself thinking it might not be the best one to say for Nganu is that he fights like a fucking ape. I just remember in Rocky 1 where uh, Mickey tells Rocky, like, you fight like a goddamn ape. Because <laughs> he's uncoordinated, he's uh, unrefined, he just throws winging shots and kind of just overwhelms his opponents with But uh, yeah. That being said, though, I wonder, I mean, most likely, but I feel like Nganu is going to make it like <clears throat> a dirty fight per se just real up close not really try to box just swing and swing and bang in the middle if fury lets him that is he'll probably throw one hammer fist if he gives gets the opportunity <laughs> <laughs> just sneak it in there mcgregor did throw a few i think it was just second nature oh for sure well, maybe that's the one thing to watch out for does fury do the whole like complete turn away from his opponent thing when when mcgregor clinches him oh does, yeah does fury do that in this fight I don't think so. This is probably not the guy you want to turn away from, because Ngannou will absolutely throw at someone with his back to him. That's right. what he's been oh. doing his entire UFC run. Oh, for sure. Hmm. I don't know if I want to keep going on this fucking farce. Maybe we can move on to uh, Canelo and Jermel Charlo. Undisputed versus undisputed. 168-154. I think this one came out of left field, out of nowhere. I was... I... And I think most people were expecting when we heard Canelo and Charlo are in negotiations. We thought Jermall Charlo, because he's at 160. Maybe it's a little bit of a softer pick. Canelo's at the t- towards the tail end of his career, not maybe not looking for the most legacy-establishing fights. Uh-huh. But he picked up uh, the rough-and-tumble one that's been active and been winning. So it, I don't know. It's hard to say that this is a cherry pick. Do either of you think that it might be like a soft? Is this a soft pick? Uh, it's hard to tell, kind of just based off what you said as well. I almost want to say yes because hot take. I think he's still ducking Benavidez, so <laughs> I'm that's like go a lukewarm yes. take. I think it's yeah, very popular say, take. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm saying like that hot take as in like it's a cherry pick to duck Benavidez and go for Jer- Jermel. Because, like, Jamel is smaller, 154, and what, he's going to 168? Yeah. We don't know how that's going to work for him. Like, he's probably going to be a lot slower. Maybe not a lot slower, I shouldn't say that. But, I mean, just, I'm going to say it's a cherry pick. 
it's a definitely a nice soft pick. I almost want to say it's both because if we're being honest, I don't think anyone would disagree. If we're going to pick who's the best Charlo brother, I think everyone today would say Mel. I don't think that's a question. Yeah, for sure. Who's the most skilled? Who's got the most power? Who's got the most dog in him? It's Jermel. It's soft in that he's bringing a guy up from two weight classes down up to his weight class. I assume there's not going to be any kind of rehydration clause. So in that sense, it is, especially when, like Drip says, we have guys like Benavidez or even Morel, you know, kind of waiting for their turn to fight Canelo. They've been waiting for a while. Why Why are these fights being pushed off? But uh, I really like Jamel. I really rate him. Um, yeah, I do too. I think it, uh-huh. it's weird because I've never once thought this fight would ever, like I've never even entertained the thought of this happening. But now that it is, I'm like weirdly excited for it. This could actually be a very entertaining fight. It could be weirdly close. I don't know how much I just... I'm going to knock Canelo here, because... I mean, this is... It, it, at the very least, it's a way better fight than Maul yeah, would have been. definitely. So one consideration on the weight part of it is that Jermel, Jermal, they're obviously twin brothers, right? So mm-hmm. they have identical builds and... I think it's a fair assessment that Jermel cuts down pretty significantly to make 154. And 160, a little bit more natural. It's an easier cut. Uh, and 168 might be just around what they walk around at, I think. Or pretty close to it. The only... Just a matter of carrying power up, being sluggish, like moving around with the extra weight that you're not used to. But otherwise, I don't think this is a matter of uh, Jermel being inflated like a Mikey Garcia going up for Errol Spence, if that makes sense. I, I agree. I'd be surprised if Mel put on any weight. I think you should just come in and just walk around weight. And, yeah. I mean, he's not fighting a guy that's... He's fighting a guy that's, like, smaller than him. Like, the Charlos are, Mel like, six ta- foot, six one. Yeah, something. taller and longer reach. I mean, he's not gonna... He's not at risk of getting weight bullies. So, if he just comes in his natural weight, I, I expect his athleticism not to drop off much at all. I think Jermel's in a win-win either way. I didn't even take account for his height. I didn't realize how tall he was. That's a good point. Ooh. He is going to... Because isn't Bivol like 6'1", 6'2", as well? Yeah. And he definitely gave... I granted, think, better boxer, but he definitely gave Canelo problems with this. I think Mel is actually taller than Bivol is. It's possible. I don't know if I've ever looked up or compared the mm-hmm. two, so... Mel is... Uh, he's got the longer reach, but he's an inch shorter. All right. Anything more on Canelo before we move on... To, to the uh, to our next point here on the intro, retirement fight soon. Retirement fight? Yeah, for Canelo. Real oh. soon. I'm feeling it. Mm. Not this one, but like next like two years probably. I'm calling it. Two years. Well, I think that's a reasonable. Depending how this fight goes, but yeah, I'm gonna say like next two years he's gonna have a retirement fight. I know he said like seven more years of boxing, but brother, nah. After what we saw with Catterall, not Catterall, not Catterall. Sorry, <laughs> Ryder. Wow, Ryder, yeah. I don't know why I got those two mixed up. <laughs> Jack Tattle, that would have been crazy. <laughs> Once you watch one Brit bum, you've kind of watched them all. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, John Ryder, Jack Catterall. I don't fucking know, dude. Uh, let me, um, I got to read this official press release here. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> here we go. So, I wrote this a few days ago, and it'll become clear what day that was in particular. Earlier today, there was a big fight in Japan between Naoya Inoue and Stephen Fulton, the defending champion. 
It turns out that either Fulton isn't as good as we, namely I, thought, or is in a way is better than we, that is to say I, thought. It was pretty difficult to see a fringe top 10 pound for pound guy get thoroughly dismantled like that. The way his chin got hit and nearly ripped his head off was freaky to watch. I was surprised the ref let, it, let him continue after the knockdown, to be completely honest. Very similar to Joe Lewis refereeing Frazier and Quarry in their rematch and not stopping the fight. So yeah, enjoy that. <laughs> the old um, Frazier Quarry too. So eloquently too. put. Yeah. Very eloquently put, Leo. Yeah, so that's what, as we move into recaps, I want to do that one first, just because it's uh, coming off that statement there. Obviously, I picked Stephen Fulton, and wow. I knew Inouye was good. I did. I knew he was good, but holy shit. I did it. Wow. I did not know he was that good. I'm like, god damn. Um, the biggest surprise, I would say, was Inouye's hand speed. I, I just, it was a foregone conclusion to me that that was going to be Fulton's advantage if between the two of them that Fulton was going to be quicker with his hands and that was absolutely not the case this was like of all the outcomes I could have like thought in my head I'm like okay I could see Fulton winning with by decision I could see in a way winning by knockout I think going to that fight I was cautiously optimistic that we would see him win by knockout but I didn't expect it to be followed or to, that knockout to follow what was it seven and a half rounds of complete boxing domination like just domination dude. domination if you had told me like oh yeah in a way he's gonna outbox this guy like i would have laughed like no you're trolling you're, you're shit posting that's not gonna happen but that's exactly what did happen uh, he made he had made this statement a couple days before the fight and it's a pretty long statement but the the meat of it was taking into account fulton style i need to box in a way that denies him the ability to score points and that is exactly what he did. Like Fulton, I think this a big part of it was his hand speed. I think also was his footwork. Yeah, definitely. But Fulton was Fulton looked like he didn't know what he wanted to do. He couldn't decide on am I going to try and stand on the pocket with this guy? Am I going to try and bo- box up the back foot? Like he never was able to get a rhythm going, and that was because Inoue was constantly moving in and out. He was throwing power shots every time they got close. He was. There was like no good options to approach this fight. And by the time Fulton started landing a couple good shots, it was like round six or seven. And it's like, uh-oh, you're, you're kind of screwed here. <laughs> you're way too behind and you're going to, you yeah. need a knockout and uh, not, that's not going to happen for, it's not in the cards for you, pal. It's not happening. Yeah. I think he started picking it up like those, like what rounds seven, eight, was it? I think that's when his team was kind of like, look, man, you got to go for broke because whatever you were doing earlier, it's just not fucking yeah. working. And he started just, trying to come forward. I want to say around like n- round three or four is when he started mm-hmm. trying to push the envelope. I want to say it just seems like they entirely underestimated him so much. I didn't know that Stephen Fulton was trained by Angel Garcia. I did not know that. Oh, I don't know I how either. I didn't. Ooh, that's news to me. Yeah, yeah Angel Garcia was. Uh, so it puts all of like the shenanigans leading up to the fight into a much clearer perspective. Like the uh, his hand wraps, uh, we're gonna pull out of the fight if he doesn't agree to our our approved methods of wrapping or any any other sort of bullshit. And yeah, Angel Garcia is just being himself. Um. Yeah, I didn't expect this to be a dismantling. I wanted Stephen Fulton to win. I believed he could. Similar to, you know, Bud Spence, where we'll get into in a bit. I did not 
assume that there was like very little pathway for Inoue to take it, there was absolutely always a chance he was going to win. Um, I just didn't, wow, I didn't think it was going to be that bad. Like even Tim Bradley, when he was talking about the his little uh, fight lab introductions or whatever, all of the shit that he said Stephen, that would be Stephen Fulton's best tools, like uh, his footwork, getting into the pocket, landing what he wants, and getting out before Inouye can fire back, or boxing at range, whatever he wants to do, that's what Inoue did. He took those tools away from him. I, I think Tim Bradley sent him the script ahead of time, and was <laughs> like, here, here's what you gotta do, buddy, because that's what I'm gonna tell Fulton to do. I, I'm going full conspiracy on this one. Serious crap! I'm sick of being social engineered. It's not funny. It's a uh, this is this was a rigging by by the prime minister of Japan. <laughs> I think they didn't realize that the stacking method that they used was actually to limit his power. <laughs> they just took the they took the limits off. <laughs> That's what I always said about him wearing winning gloves. Was like I'm not wearing these to protect me. <laughs> I'm wearing these to protect you. <laughs> you don't want me at full power. This isn't even my final form. Man, uh, so pound for pound number one, I think that's pretty. That's been consensus from the from the moment the fight was waved off, and I think that's going to be the case up until the end of whatever end Spence Crawford has, and then Inouye is going to be moved down. Do you, do you agree with that assessment? I I completely agree. Yeah, he'll move down a notch probably. My thinking is. That Inouye is obviously number one right now. That's cannot be disputed at this point. At this point. But, obviously, Spence Crawford. Holy fucking shit, what a fight. Um, Oof. I think that if Crawford wins, which is a very realistic possibility, that he'll be number one, Inouye will be number two. I think, however, on the other, on the other side, if... Spence wins, he'll be number two, and Inouye will keep number one. That's what I think that the public at large and like major publications are gonna, how they're going to sort of rate people. Just my expectations, because uh, I can't even say it's the it's the man trying to keep uh, keep a strong black man down. What conspiracy do I put onto this one? You've been given the green light to create a race riot, to create division in this nation. My question is. Where does Raleigh Romero stand in all this? And what does he have to say? He is pound for pound number one emeritus. <laughs> no, I do agree though. I think um should Crawford win, he'd hold one and um and he'll go down. And then should Spence win, he'd probably stay at number two though. I don't think he'd be number one just yet. I would disagree, but at the same time I can see the argument for why you wouldn't put Spence higher. It's because he's been in this this one weight class his whole right uh, mm -hmm. career and it's funny because you would look at his record and you'd say oh all these guys he's beaten are better but you've not done it at all these different settings where there's crawford maybe he's fought lesser competition but he's done it over you know much broader three divisions mm -hmm. so i i can at least understand that that logic but in a way coming up from 105 108 he skipped 112 to 115 118 and now 122 so as far as like uh that the pound for pound if that's what you like their their efficacy in different divisions if that's how you measure it then i mean in a way uh i'm i'm certain that there are certain types of people who are gonna say well those weight classes are fucking garbage which 
to an extent I do agree, but at the same time, I don't. Even if you do believe that, he just smashed Stephen Fulton. Right. I mean, like, that's un undeniable. That's, like, one of the most significant single wins, I think you... Single performances, I should say, that you could have put out yes. to make your case. Absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely shattered him. So that might be the nuance of what I said about Spence being two and Crawford being put into the one slot. I think the nuance of the results are going to play a big role into that. Like if Spence fucking bodies Crawford in four, like, yeah, absolutely. Number one. Sorry. In a way, like you're really fucking good. But Spence, did you see that? Even though, in a way, does stop AJ late in a twelve round. Ooh, hold up, now I just saw a crazy. I just saw a crazy article from our friend Steven Espinoza. He would like to see Tank versus the Monster. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. If this was earlier, where Tank was still at the twenty-six to thirty range, yes. But at this point, he's he had already been struggling to make thirty uh, lifestyle choices, notwithstanding. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's a good idea for Inoue to go up that high to the monster going up and facing the monster puncher of right anywhere from 126 to like 140 he's got the heaviest hands Espinosa said it sounds a bit crazy but it's only 13 pounds more like it's not a lot of weight or something I'm not so sure about that what, what a sh I, kind of a shit take honestly I wouldn't watch that fight actually no I would watch that I, fight sorry I would of <laughs> course sorry I was gonna say, I just don't agree with this Espinosa's take on this one, where it's only, like the way he says, it's only 13 pounds. Kind of seems like it's so nonchalant and like it's not a big deal. Mm. In a way, himself said that he felt like 122 was starting to push the boundaries of what he could do. You know, and maybe that's just him being modest, but mm. you know, I I feel like unless Tank comes back down, which I don't know if he's capable of, to at least 130, that fight is not competitive. Yeah, maybe it is because of the way Tank approaches fights but he would knock him out like there's no question in my mind that would happen yeah tank would yeah i agree completely yeah and i'm uh, after this pick from tuesday that i had leading up to tuesday it's um i'm a few days into learning not to doubt in a way which like i said in a way stops aj in round 11 maybe but tank man that's that would just be like a good money fight i think Oh, for sure. It definitely sells very well. You said uh, I don't know if I'd watch it. Like, if you look at the look at this list of shit that I have here. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm watching. Absolutely. Nah, I'm a, totally misspoke on. Totally misspoke on that. I'm one. a fucking degenerate. Everybody who may or may not be listening, you enjoy that audio format. You don't need to see this list of fucking trash that I got here. <laughs> I, I need to get a hobby outside there's, of boxing. There's, there's some hot. There's some hot picks on there. There's some hot picks on that uh, list. All right, we ready to maybe move it down to a quick chat about uh, Robesi Ramirez? Let's do it to it. All right, Robesi, the WBO 126 champion, stops Shimizu Satoshi <laughs> in round five. Uh, Shimizu it was like almost 40, if I recall. He was like 37 or something. And he looked really awkward the way that he, like, the way that his stance, the way that he throws. The entire situation was fucky. It was really weird. Just the way he fought was just like, does he belong here? He, yeah. He's a jobber, I think, is probably what it was. Oh, he was an Olympic medalist, wasn't he? Like, he got a bronze or some shit. I think in 2016. I wonder who his competition was. Helen Keller? Hey! Uh, yeah. 
probably. <laughs> as far as like unifications go, so his contemporaries are uh, Luis Lopez, Lee Wood, and the winner of Brandon Figueroa and Ray Vargas, which is gonna be Brandon Figueroa. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. As good as Robesi has proven to be, I'm not entirely certain. Other than Lee Wood, like Lee Wood, that's a competitive one. That would be good. I don't know. Is Lopez the right style matchup for him? What do you guys think? Before we dive down that rabbit hole, is he like, is he even gonna try and unify? If there's a shot that Inouye comes up and immediately oh, challenges him, yeah, he'll do that. Will he fight in that- Japan again though, with the with the Cuban embassy influencing the the Japanese promoters? Tough call. I think Inouye's got to move out of Japan eventually. I feel like he's he's due for some more. Attempt Has he to... fought in the U.S. ever? Yes. I was at his U.S. debut. I forgot who he fought. It wasn't Butler, was it? No, it was a... Um, I, Nieves. Something... It was a Puerto Rican guy. His last name was Nieves. And the guy was... He was there for a paycheck. And it was, it was pretty stinky. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Like, it was a Quadras... Estrada won was the was the first was the first fight of that and then there was Inouye and then it went to Rungvisai uh, Gonzalez too so yeah those were uh, two really exciting fights and there was the shit sandwich that was the turd right in the middle it's <laughs> a crazy analogy <laughs> shit yes sandwich in the middle. <laughs> shit sandwich um, very good artisanal bread and then that turd. We've got spirit, yes we do! We are sandwiches filled with poo! Yeah! I think yeah, I think he's due back for a US fight soon. Yeah. Now that he's definitely got like a major I mean he had a buzz already, don't get me wrong, but after just shattering Fulton, he's due for a big US yeah. fight pretty soon. He did some bubble fights. I think he beat one of the Maloney's, um, I think the smaller one, Andrew. Oh, I don't recall that fight. I probably, I just honestly didn't see it most mm, yeah, it you're not missing a whole lot. It wasn't until um, Nakatani, Junto Nakatani, that was when I saw Andrew Maloney like really ah. tough it out. I'm like, holy shit! Okay, so you're not just upside down garbage. Okay, Dude, Nakatani, the man, the myth, the legend. <sighs> yeah, um, but Robesi probably won't be leaving the top rank ecosystem, especially if Inoue's on the table. Oh, I. I don't know why I keep doing this to myself, like thinking that he might, that Bob Arum might let his fighters go to other other stables to fight or bring in other guys. I don't know why I do this to myself. Never happening. Yeah. And the competition, I know that we when we were talking on the day of, we were talking about how like the 126 is relatively not good. So, mm-hmm. As far as the standings go, but like of those champions, like those guys are pretty solid in and of themselves. Like, like the rest of the competition, maybe not, but calling Figueroa a, like a shitty possible unification fight—that's that's just a really stupid thing to say. At least from my perspective, I think like there's like in their own little world of boxing, like they're a whole separate from like the other. Well, obviously they're weight classes, but like not that like like you said, it's a shitty like um weight class but i think it's their own separate world if that makes sense probably not but i award you no points and may god have mercy on your soul well let's move on here 
Because of uh, the last time we convened was early June or early July, excuse me. So there's a lot of stuff to cover, and I want to just kind of breeze through a lot of this so that we could get to Spence Crawford as quickly as possible. Uh, So on July 7th, we had Diego Pacheco gets the stoppage in four. Second fight in a row, he gets the fourth round win over Manuel Gallegos. Dude, Pacheco is so nice with it. He's, yeah, he's starting to grow on me a little bit. He's uh-huh. a better, he's getting better and better every time I see him. I used to think he was a bit of a joke, but not so much anymore. All right, anything more on uh, Pacheco? We... Oh, excited to follow his career, see where he ends up. But like you said, he's getting better and better, so we'll see where how it ends up. I do hope Benavides moves up before uh, Pacheco gets ranked high enough to face him, because that wouldn't go well for him, but versus anyone else i think he gives a lot of really exciting fights oh for sure he's uh in benavides's camp so i'm not sure if they would face each other oh i didn't know that yeah they're both yeah, they, they, benavides senior yeah they spar benavides yes they spar each other a lot oh no kidding this guy's getting better every fight yeah i expect that as he's reaching his apex that a lot of the other top names will be either aging off or they'll have moved up already so and anybody who's worthwhile at 160 will probably be moving up as well which isn't a lot but eh, it's somebody i remember this card having a lot of other good fights though on the other cards just a lot of exciting stuff even if they weren't necessarily big names uh let's move on here on the 8th on satru day because i can't spell uh <laughs> <laughs> so let's Sorry. do the um, the shorter ones real quick. In uh, Metepec, Mexico, Luis Neri gets a stoppage in two over Froilan Saludar. It was a 122 fight, and I felt like Luis Neri looked like shit. And if he was saying after or before Inouye Fulton that this is this fight is my next opponent, the winner of this is my next opponent. And either way, that went. He was fucking losing, and he's definitely gonna fucking lose if Inaway, if uh, if he's facing Inaway. No, not only does this guy have Japan on his back, he also has the anger of Japan on his back for Neri pissing hot and knocking out one of their favorites in uh, Shinsuke Yamanaka. So that's a uh, that's quite a did bit you, of fire. Did you guys see that Inaway's manager specifically named Neri as a yes. potential opponent after Topolis? Uh, yeah. I did, and I'm curious because I, if I recall correctly, Neri has at the least a ban for life from boxing in Japan. <laughs> I don't know if he's banned from entering Japan. Dude, what a scrub! It was the the old uh, tainted meat situation. Ah, so he says the Mexican beef, as they call it. Yeah, at the AT and T Center in Texas. In, this was in uh, Santone. Is that where the AT&T Center is? Yes, it is. Yeah, the San, in Santone. I read that on the internet and I wanted to say it, so there you go. Uh, Virgil Ortiz had serious health problems and was taken to the hospital, so his fight with uh, Imantas Danionis was canceled. For I think this was like the second time. Virgil Ortiz continues to have health issues. This is um, it's pretty concerning. I think, what uh, was the, uh, the issue this time, the health issue? What do they say? I don't know. I just recall them saying like he was... He passed out. I don't recall what else after that, to be honest with you. 
I just know that he passed out. I gotta look up real quick. I'm curious. I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's some sort of... I don't know if it's a heart disorder. Um, oh, it's that's right. Rab- Rhabdomyolysis. This issue that he's having is either a result or like that rhabdo thing is a result of it it is a side effect of a particular performance enhancing substance oh take that to mean what you will i'm not saying that he's doing that the the plot thickens yeah but that's what it is is like okay so he either has a legit medical condition which i really hope he doesn't or if he does i hope he gets better or he's he's using and he's suffering the the consequences of it in which case i say i hope you don't die i hope you don't box it looks like it's a a kidney problem i'll be real i'll just come out and say it he is he is 100 percent doping or doing something because immediately this is not the first time this has happened this is the second time and the stuff i've now not a doctor but the stuff i've read about rhabdo it's not like something that just reoccurs and every like you saw a bunch of people that were in his camp or in like boxing media saying framing it as like oh man this this rare health condition just just re-flared up it's like oh yeah it's like it was like a listening to the whole picogram thing with john jones over in the ufc oh he just (laughs) it, it just flared back up this chemical that he took years ago just suddenly came back it was stored in his body for years and years no no he was on something again i and we're trying to cope for him i typically have the same results as john jones when i use gas station male enhancement pills so like i totally get it uh i I don't know why we're vilifying john jones here i have a huge cut joe (coughs) i'm joking uh yeah this is more to me i agree more likely than not this is the result of continued prohibited prohibited substance use <sighs> but that's it's unfortunate that we lose one of the foils one of the possible top contenders of the next generation of welterweights mm. the rest of the card was like nothing special Flo- uh, they moved up Floyd Schofield who is a local guy he gets a UD over Haskell Rhodes those are lightweights uh, Joseph Diaz um yeah, UD over uh, Jerry Perez. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a good diddler sort of pun, but I can't figure one out. So JoJo's a fucking diddler. He's definitely trying to do some diddling. Marlon Esparza, majority decision over Gabriela Alanis. This was a unification fight for uh, Esparza's WBA, WBC, and Alanis WBO. So... Mm-hmm. Speaking of the next generation of welterweights, Jerron Ennis at the board at Boots. the ballroom in Boardwalk Hall in Atlantic City. So Jerron Ennis stops Royman Villa in ten. Uh, let's go from the bottom up of the card here, real quick, just to build some allure. Edwin De Los Santos gets a UD over Joseph Adorno. This was a lightweight fight. I I have shed my last tear for Adorno. I've really tried riding for him hard, but pause, I guess. But <laughs> uh, I've really tried. Hey, yo. I've really tried uh, ride, uh, conducting the train for the, the Adorno train a little bit, and it's not been working. Um, De Los Santos proves, continues to prove that he's, um, at the very least, he's at the bottom of the ladder, and he's going to be keeping everybody else from climbing up. 
he's definitely making a ruckus. Like yeah. his name's getting out there a little more now. I don't remember. Yo, Elvis Gomez drops the ball against Marquise Taylor. I recall that Gomez, Yo, Elvis is the uh, he was like the quote unquote house fighter, and he uh, drops the ball on a huge card. <laughs> but the meat of the dish, Jaron Ennis over Roy Manbia. We talked about this on the last uh, Ultimate Casual, where we were talking about switch hitting, and I mentioned Jaron Ennis, and the the parallels that I drew for that were Max Holloway in UFC and his his ability to like his standard operating baseline is switch hitting, and that that is a a very special talent. It takes a lot of IQ to do that. Which and this conversation includes Terence Crawford. Now we'll get to Crawford in a bit, but Jerron Ennis, holy, holy shit! Just when you think he cannot impress anymore, he turns in this. Has anyone heard from Bia since? Is he still alive? Don't recall hearing anything. Been quiet. I'm sure he's fine. Just I think they they held a private funeral just <laughs> out of respect for <laughs> the family. <laughs> oh man, uh, I honestly of the next crop. I don't see it. Now that Virgil is probably out of the picture, I don't know if there's anyone that even presents a possibility of an interesting fight with Jerron Ennis. Uh, I'll I'll push back a little bit. I think Stan Jonas would be able to do something. I would not pick him to win, but that fight would not be like a shutout like this one was. True. Okay. That's yeah, that's fair. Stan Jonas is that rough and tumble come forward type, but he's also really smart. So he could make that work. I was, was going to say, because um, Villa had, like, and I use this very lightly, some very, very slight success will look like kind of inside the pocket a little bit. So yeah. Danny Onis could kind of do that with Ennis. I don't think he'd win still, but it'd make him more competitive fight for sure. Regardless, the options are pretty limited for Ennis here. So is 147 is probably always going to be the like the, the glamour division. So I don't mm-hmm. even still even if we consider the guys at 140 moving up, I'm not entirely certain that I see a whole lot that's going to give Ennis fits. I really don't. Dude, Ennis makes me want to go move to Philly and start training over there. <laughs> Granted, it's only like an hour and a half for me, so it wouldn't be anything crazy. But... There's something in the water in Philly. There is, man. There is for sure. Ugh. The stuff over in West Philadelphia is a lot worse. Oh, you know, we don't even talk about that. It's all the cheese sticks. Don't do this to me. (laughs) In West Philadelphia, born and raised, Stephen Fulton went to Japan and got dazed. I don't know if that works. (laughs) Oh, oh no. Oh, heavens. (laughs) I'm calling the police. Uh, Anything more on Ennis before we uh, keep trucking here? I actually have one fight to float. Um, sure. I think this could be a. Uh, I'm not floating this fight as a, a losable fight for Ennis, but more of just a, a rival fight. Do you think PBC gives him Keith Thurman? Because it's very possible that after the main event on Saturday, that both Spence and Crawford won't be around in this division or won't be long for it. Yeah. Um, if so, Thurman's still there. Uh, if yeah, he, I thought he retired, honestly. <sighs> He's kind of like sitting around because of the success that he had previously, which includes obviously uh, good paychecks. 
he's kind of like sitting on the outside waiting for the big opportunities to be presented to him as if he still has enough clout to have that sort of expectation. Jaron Ennis, because he's like the young hungry lion trademark, he's probably going to be willing to come to the table with Thurman and like, yeah, I'll give you whatever you want. Like Inouye did with Fulton. I'll give you whatever the fuck you want as long as you get in the ring. Whatever you need. What's going to make you feel better? Because I'm about to put these hands on you. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see it happening then. That, that would be a fantastic name on Ennis' resume. Absolutely. Man, Thurman, 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 Thurman. I forgot all about him, not going to lie. I honestly thought it's, he retired. It's funny because he was in the running for Spence before... Uh, he was. Before the, the Crawford fight got signed. The first negotiations towards the end of 22... When, when those collapsed, Spence Thurman was on the table. The only reason that fight didn't happen was because Spence got in that, like, fender bender, and they wanted to give him, like, two months to recover. And in that time, they ended up making the bud fight instead. That's convenient. <clears throat> I'm going to say Al Heyman had something to do with that fucking puppet Al master. Heyman was driving the car behind. <laughs> yep, hey, he caused the fender bender. Spence real quick. Yeah. Hey Spence, go he to. He survived uh, one car crash. He can take this one too. Go to Target real oh, quick. I'm gonna, I'm dude, gonna crash into the you. The first one was not. A, first one was even a car crash. That shit was just <laughs> fucking annihilation of his car. Fast and furious type of shit. He did a couple flips. That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Uh, as he put it, "quote I'm a savage." End quote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that was the right word to use, but go off, Spence. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to tell him no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't say no. <laughs> let's move on to uh, July 15th. Really quick, Josh Kelly ranked third in the WBO, gets a UD over Gabriel Corzo. This is a 154 fight. Just if Jermel's going to move, if he's going to be going up to fight Canelo, in the off chance he wins, he's the 168 champ, the 154 belts are going to be dispersed which is going to elevate Tim Zhu, and that means Josh Kelly is one of the first up as a, as a defense for that. Or, even if uh, Tim Zhu's content with being interim champion for now, then Josh Kelly's still one of the upcoming guys, so there you go. All right, that was the only fight from that card I wanted to mention. Let's go to Detroit, where Andy Cruz and Alicia Baumgartner took care of business that night. Jermaine Franklin surprisingly to me surprising he uh had a fight on that one he got a ud over isaac gutierrez so andy cruz debuts lightweight he's one of the another one of those uh amateur phenoms if i'm not mistaken this is the guy who beat Keyshawn davis i know for sure he beat Keyshawn. so like why you guys are doing a little fact checking there andy cruz gets a ud over juan burgos um burgos as I recall, is the guy when Mikey Garcia was coming off his layoff and he debuted with PBC, Juan Carlos Burgos was the guy that they brought out. It was a 140 fight for them and Mikey didn't get the stoppage. Somebody else of note fought Burgos. It was Devin Haney. And did not get the stoppage. Neither did Andy Cruz, which I mean, apparently Burgos is super tough, so take that for what you will. Man, this division continues to get more and more stacked. Even though he's relatively new, young in his career, he's not bad. I think he still has a little bit of transitioning to do from the amateur style of fighting to professional. But he does have the the prowess to give a lot of the 
anybody standing in his way from getting to the top where title contention is starting to happen, I don't see a lot of people giving Andy Cruz trouble. The person I especially don't see giving him any trouble is Keyshawn Davis. Because not oh. only has he lost, he's beaten Keyshawn four times. Oh. Oh. That's uh, Keyshawn's arch nemesis right there. Yeah, that might make him a little emotional if they were to, to mix it up in the pros. Yeah, twice in 2019. Three times in 2019. I don't know what was going on then. Uh, the AIBA World Championships. I guess hmm. is where that happened. So it looks like... Uh... Keyshawn Davis said that Andy Cruz had an average debut and was anything special. So, Oh, boy. Oh, he's getting salty. Yeah, he is, because uh, Keyshawn's wasn't very good either. <clears throat> but what do I know? Just oh, oh, hold on, hold on. Andy Cruz responds to Davis, I'll beat you up a fifth time. There can be only one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's a fight to happen. Nah, yeah, you can't not make that. Oh, they have to make that happen. Oh. I mean... Not to go too off topic either, but Keyshawn Davis, I know we're approaching that name. I mean, I guess we could talk, touch on that later, but yeah, I mean, we, we will be next for him. We will okay. be talking about Keyshawn in a second. Oh, yes. Partially unrelated, but what are they putting in the water at lightweight? Like, there have oh. been so many, like, A-plus prospects coming out of lightweight in the last, like, five years. I think it's just a hot division, honestly. And yeah, it'd probably always be a hot division, too. Pretty much any division that has uh, super or light or junior at the beginning as a prefix, those are the kind of the baloney Passover divisions. Like the traditional ones are where people typically hang out when they want to actually do stuff. Like a lightweight, featherweight, 130 is like eh, 135, obviously, 140, eh, eh, 147, obviously. Yeah. I think a notable exception is a super middleweight, but that's just because Canelo's there. And uh, what do they call it? Is it super welterweight? Super welterweight versus uh, middleweight? Oh, yeah. I don't know what you want to call it. 154, 160? Yeah, middleweight is one of the traditional ones that sucks. But the like the big money is either at 68 or 54. So like what be like Carlos Adamas and just be a big fish in a little pond. <laughs> uh, Alicia Baumgartner. UD over Christina Leonardatu. This was an undisputed fight for super at super featherweight. So congrats to her. And on the 22nd, we had in the very prestigious Fire Lake Arena in Shawnee, Oklahoma, George Cambosos. Cambosos, Warbosos, baby. Warbosos. Let's go from the bottom up here. Troy Isley. Every time I've seen him which has always been on untelevised por- portions, unfortunately. He's, he's, like, his improvement has been, hasn't been as quick as, let's say, Keyshawn Davis or, like, Shakur Stevenson a few years ago. But he's still making moves. He's still doing, doing what he needs to do. He's getting the experience. I'm still happy to see Troy Isley on the grind. So I hope he, uh, he keeps getting, getting the wins. I don't remember why I have listed Giovanni Santian guess the UD over Eric Bonet, but that happened. Uh, Keyshawn Davis, UD over Francesco Patera. This was lightweights. So Keyshawn is... His his old nemesis is back. <laughs> it's like he, you can't fucking escape him. What I we... love it. I, I love the lore. Yeah. Love the, the history between the two is really cool. 
Andy Cruz is gonna catch up to him real quick. It's not even. Mm-hmm. It's not even gonna be. It's not if they're gonna fight again. It's when. I mean, so what's next for Davis? Like, how many more fights until we kind of start putting him at that like um. The contention content- level. Yeah, contention level. Well, let's see. It really depends on how quick Top Rank wants to fast track him because uh, that's really the only limiting factor. Is he gonna get ranked I, opponents? Actually, I or is he they were trying. Get... They were trying to like fast track him. I thought they were at least. I could be wrong. Yeah, they Top Rank tends to do that. So, Keyshawn Davis. Oh, like this is box wreck. So you know, take it with a fucking five gallon mm-hmm. jug of salt. Keyshawn's at twenty four. So I'm just gonna give you his his rap his path to 15. Kid Galahad, uh, Shuma Nakazato, Jojo Diaz, Michelle Rivera, Edwin De Los Santos, Mercito Gesta, mm. Russian guy Albert Batir Gaziev, uh, Nakatilla, and Maxi Hughes. Now, <clears throat> De Los Santos, Kishan could be a good fight. Yes, uh, Michelle too. Uh, Rivera's not bad, mm. not a bad name. I don't think Jojo Diaz would be a very fun fight for him. I mean, for I don't think it'd be a fun fight for Jojo Diaz. There we go. I think yeah. Buy Sparkum. It would be fun for me because I would very mm-hmm. much like to watch a diddler get his ass beat. Hundred uh, percent. Nakatilla is something that Top Rank could definitely make, and Nakatilla is one of those guys that's been, he's been through the Top Rank ecosystem, so he has that. I don't know if prestige is the right word, but the name recognition at the least. But that's Keyshawn. Real quick, George Cambosos. Majority decision over Maxi Hughes. This was... I, I'm i not even going to mention it. It's No, there was no real title on the line. This was an IBF eliminator. So they were talking about on the broadcast that Devin Haney is likely to move up. Uh, they're already... I believe they're pursuing Regis Progre. So okay. the IBF could be free relatively soon. Um, so, do you guys think it was like a, a robbery, or was it closer than it seemed? I would say closer than it seemed. I'm not going to say robbery, because I'm trying to take the power back for that word. I would say it's a decision that I didn't agree with. This was a terrible fight either way. Like, I yeah. don't know if... Like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I don't know if this was a fight you could say either guy deserved to win. Like, genuinely, yeah. I, I didn't feel that anyway when I watched it. Yeah, I was going to say it was more towards a draw. I wouldn't say a robbery either because it wasn't that wide of a margin. No, I mean, granted the card, cards say otherwise, but like Kyle was saying before, Max Hughes did look better. But as we all know, if you're going to fight, like, I guess the ex-champion. Yeah, the home fighter, ex-champion, whatever. You got to win, like, convincingly. Like, you can sit back and hit all the clean counters you can, but it's not going to do enough. Like, Cambosis was getting rocked, sure. But he also got some hits in there. He set the pace. It seemed like it just seemed like Maxi Hughes was just waiting for the counters all night, and just wasn't that active, in my opinion. If he let his hands go more, I think he would have pulled the decision. Yeah, I think he. Or at least at least a draw. But I just don't think when you're fighting the hometown hero and ex champ, whatever, you gotta do more than just sit back wait for counters. You gotta be active. Something fun after the fight was uh, Cambosos goes up to uh, Shakur. Starts trying to talk that shit, and uh, yeah, didn't go very well for him. I think uh, Shakur, being from uh, New Jersey, Trenton, I think it is? Newark. Newark, that's right, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, Shakur. Rick City. Yeah. You're not going to, like, outwit in a shit-talking match 
a guy from Newark. No, definitely not. It's not happening. I have tried. It did not work. I consider myself like pretty eloquent, savvy with words, but fuck, like, I just got torched. Um, yeah, so he was talking shit. Uh, Cambosis was talking about like, yeah, we're gonna make a great fight. It'll be a good one. Like, you're, yeah, this is a fight you want to take because it's gonna be really exciting for the fans. And, and then Shakur's like, I will beat the shit out of you. <laughs> I'm like, all right, thanks Shakur, because I really hope you do. Um, anything more on Cambosis? Probably gonna just be like a low-level tier champ. Wait a second, did we talk about Frank Martin? Uh, oh no, we skipped them. Yeah, got we skipped. did skip Frank Martin. Yeah, sorry, Frank. Um, all right, so let me just put this, get this note in here at the Chumash Casino in California. This was a, a 360 Promotions. Tom Loeffler, if you remember that name, the manager at uh, K2. Uh, his like, oh shit. Unbelievable. Party fucking foul. Um, Sergio Bahachuk gets a KO1. He's been, this has been his like top fighter for a long time. I remember uh, pre pandemic getting um, some uh, some press creds for photographers and stuff to go to his events. And he's still in this not even B tier of promotions so i don't know is is this a do this and he's coming up in 154 Eh, probably not gonna amount to a whole lot not at this point anyway with the division as it is so let's get to spence's protege's card really quick elvis rodriguez gets a stoppage in seven over victor postol at 140 elvis rodriguez recently came over from top rank to pbc Compared to how he was with uh, Gary Ant- with Antoine Russell, that was bullshit. This one, there's a little bit more of a case you could make for for the stoppage to be legit. Um, just my take, but I still don't expect a whole lot out of Elvis Rodriguez. Not yet, at least. No. Spence's protege, man down promotions star fighter Frank Martin. He is ranked fifth in the WBC. Gets the UD over Artem Harutunian, who's ranked eighth. So this was in the, uh, one of those eliminators. I think he might be at the top. He's. I think he would be the first defense, mandatory defense for the winner of the vacant, vacant which is looking like it's going to be Lomachenko and Shakur. But Frank Martin gets the UD. It was pretty lopsided, right? I would say so. I feel like... Um... Artem was getting some good hits on him. Yeah, like, I he was. was. Surprised. I was kind of surprised. I was like, I mean, granted, Artem is pretty good, though. It looked like he was pretty solid. I just didn't think Frank Martin was going to get hit that much. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Artem. I expect that he's. They're gonna. They're gonna keep him on the on the payroll because he mm-hmm. I, he made a he gave a really good account of himself. Um, even if they just keep bringing Mama bringing him on as a B side. <laughs> Shout out. And- well, wasn't Artem a bronze medalist? I'm not mistaken. Um, he's yeah, he was a decorated amateur. So there's that. Overall, it was a good fight. I yeah. just um, was taken back a little bit. I didn't think we would go that way. Like I expected Frank to win. I just didn't think um, he was get tagged as often. Is it that Frank underperformed, or that Artem overperformed, or was underrated coming into it? I think part of it is that Frank may be a little bit of a victim of his own hype. You know, he's 
we already kind of know like he beat the brakes off of uh well what was his name the other prospect michelle romero uh, was and he's you know this is a spence's protege and all that and so people are starting to expect him to just dust anyone that they don't recognize the name of uh it's the same thing with drawn ennis where it's like he goes to the decision once and then it's like oh well this is a step back and it's like well not really i mean it's it's pro boxing he won and he still won most you know a significant portion of the rounds he wasn't in trouble he maybe he took a couple more hits but you're allowed that if you're still winning you know by unanimous decision i'm not going to hold that against you yeah that yeah that's a good assessment yeah i would say it's a mix of buying his own hype along with them artem just being better than we expected honestly yeah, yeah. That's why I say he's he's probably gonna stay on the payroll. Um, mm-hmm. That dude that Luis Neri fought I, I, on his most recent televised card, and he put on a pretty good show. So I expect him, like like him, they're gonna keep him on. Oh, uh, I think that's it for recaps. So let's get to the meat of why you're all here. On April 29th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, we have the first ever undisputed welterweight championship in the four-belt era. Uh, We have Errol Spence, the three-belt champ, versus Terrence Crawford, the one-belt champ. Errol Spence is coming in at 28-0 undefeated with 22 knockouts. He won the IBF title off of Kell Brook on May 27th of 2017 in Sheffield. Uh, Brooke won that title off of Sean Porter and had three successful defenses coming into that fight. Um, Errol Spence went on to defend his belt three times against Lamont Peterson, Carlos Ocampo, Mikey Garcia, and after that he unified with Sean Porter who had won the vacant WBC title off of Danny Garcia and had successfully defended against Jordanis Ugas. After that, Errol Spence took on Danny Garcia himself, and then he unified the IBF and WBC titles with Jordanis Ugas, who held the WBA title that he had recently won off Manny Pacquiao. Now, as for Terrence Crawford, he's coming in at 39-0. He won the WBO lightweight title off Ricky Burns on March 1st of 2014, and he had two successful defenses of that title against Yuriorkis Gamboa and Ray Beltran. He moved up, won the vacant WBO 140 title against Thomas Delorme April 18, 2015, and he successfully defended that twice against Dierry Jean and Hank Lundy. Uh, he unified his 140 title with Victor Postol, who held the WBC. That was in July of 2016. And he defended those two successfully against John Molina and Felix Diaz. He went on to have the undisputed fight with Julius Ndongo, August 19th, 2017. Uh, Ndongo had taken the IBF belt off of uh, Troyanovsky, WBA off Ricky Burns. And yeah, gave both of those up to Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford moved up after that, won the WBO title from Jeff Horn in June of 2018. Jeff Horn having had that questionable decision against uh, Manny Pacquiao in Australia and Terence Crawford successfully defended the WBO six times coming into this his seventh wow what a pair of resumes the one we've all been waiting for holy fuck it's finally here oh my goodness 
I'm I'm getting excited just thinking about it, just talking about it. Errol Spence versus Terence Crawford for the undisputed welterweight championship of the world. Whew. Now, just as a little bit of a teaser, we're going to go bottom up here. Uh, Jesus Ramos, Sergio Garcia got canceled. That was a WBC eliminator at 154. They were ranked third and seventh, respectively. But we do have instead Nonito Donaire ranked first and Alejandro Santiago ranked third. This is a WBC vacant title fight at bantamweight. And Isak Cruz ranked fifth and Giovanni Cabrera ranked 11th. This is a, those are their rankings in WBC, but this fight is a WBA and WBC eliminator. So let's get uh, Nonito out of the, out of the way real quick. Um, Nathan, so uh, Rachel approved this fight. What do you think? For his sake, I hope he wins. Um, <laughs> oh. It is one of the weirdest uh, arrangements in boxing where the wife is choosing the husband's fights, but then is also in the corner next to the trainer. I don't understand why. She's his um like strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, that's that's strange. Yeah, um, I think Mercito Gesta, the other Filipino fighter, he's uh, also in their camp. Weird. Hmm. Well, uh, for his sake, for his home life, I I do hope that he wins this, <laughs> and I think he will. Um, Sleep on the couch, bitch. <laughs> you fucking lost. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's he's demolished everyone not named in a way, and I don't think that's going to change against Santiago on Saturday. I think I, he's going to knock yeah. him out. I'm I'm glad to see uh, Donaire still doing it because he uh, as he proved with the Donaire fights, well the Donaire fight, the first one, like he's still got something there, and uh, maybe if uh, Rachel's Rachel Donaire's guiding him really well, then he'll continue to be successful. Drip, anything on Donaire? Not much. I honestly haven't really followed his career all that much, fortunately. Oh, man. That was a fun ride as he was climbing up, sparking fucking everyone. Darchinian. Even the recent stuff. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Leo. Uh, Darchinian was like his where he really broke out. And then he met a guy named uh, Guillermo Rigandau. So there's that. But then, Nathan, the recent stuff, if you could, please. Yes, so he gets, goes out, and when he should be over the hill and too old, he takes it to Naya in a way, and what is still his hardest fight to date. It's a, in my opinion, it's an all-time classic. It's a great fight. And then off of that loss, he goes and obliterates uh, Ubali and uh, what was the other guy's name? He, he obliterates two other contenders in his division. He doesn't even make it look close, like knocks him out in incredible fashion. He loses horribly in the second in a way fight let's talk less about that um but that brings us to today and i would expect this fight to be very exciting this is a great starter for uh this card yeah very uh, donaire's fun he uh, he's proven that he's still a fun fighter so definitely mm-hmm. looking forward to him speaking of fun fighters isa cruz i am oh, not familiar boy. with giovanni cabrera to be honest with you but what we know of isak the pitbull i'm honestly expecting a mauling Cruz is really, really ang- fighting, angling for that rematch with Tank. So I don't think he's going to drop the ball here. What do you guys think? Um, I would say, yeah, domination. But kind of how we talked before that 
is Cruz kind of shooting himself in the foot waiting around for this tank rematch fight? Yes. Uh, like the way that Amir Khan did waiting around for the Mayweather fight. Like, so now he's fighting again. I'll be honest, I have no idea what the fuck Giovanni is. I just like, expect Isaac Cruz to knock his head off. But it's like, after that, is he expecting the tank rematch or is he going to wait around a few more months and just not do anything? Like, I just don't think he has a career game plan set in stone aside from just eyeballing tank the whole time. There are a lot of other great fights that he could make. He and... could make, but does he want to is the question. Well, tank is both, tank is the hardest fight, it's the highest paying fight, and it's a fight that's like, you could sell it, right? Like, you right. could actually make, like, sure, you lost a tank, but it was a lot closer than expected, it was really fun, and there's been, like, this rivalry that's developed. So you can, like, you know, make the excuse in his mind for, for waiting for tank. But, like you guys said, like, don't wait too long. Like, eventually one of these no-names, hopefully it's not Cabrera, but it could be Cabrera, is going to come out and uh, and take your, take your ranking from you. He's going to catch you looking too far ahead and overlooking them. I will say that uh, he's had a good track record on Errol Spence cards. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah, he last yeah. fought on the Spence Ugas card. Yeah, and and that was a domination. After he after that show he put on with uh, Broken Handed Tank, uh, I think uh, Uncle Al really recognized that he had something something fun that he could work with, uh-huh. which is good. Good for Isak. Um, he was talking about his home life before, and it was just a pretty grim story. So, good for him. I'm really, I'm really glad for him. I, that add to me that adds a lot to his his appeal. That uh, rags to riches kind of thing. The meat of the dish, Errol Spence. I have it tagged here because on the last episode of Ultimate Casuals, uh, Nathan and I, we're we're riding with uh, we're on Team Spence. Yes, we're ri- sir. We're, we're riding the train, and so that's our pick for the undisputed fight, Terence Crawford. Um, okay, let's do some devil's advocate here. Drip. What do you think could be, would be Crawford's best path to success against Errol Spence? Ooh, I don't know, dude. Like I was trying to think about that earlier, and I just honestly don't know because it's too. Like I was saying before, it's such a toss-up. You can go either way. So I really don't know what Crawford could really do. They both fight. I don't want to say similarly, but I would say just make it a hard fight for Spence by getting inside and just ripping the body at first. But then again, that's so much easier said than done. To try to give you maybe maybe to prod you in 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 a direction, any direction. Mm. The way that I framed it on uh, UF Cash was that Spence is a very uh, like his style is come forward uh, pressure and aggression but it is predicated on intelligence boxing IQ versus Terrence Crawford who is a high high IQ fighter who makes his like his box his punching punch selection and placement with aggressive tendencies it's a it's kind of a subtle difference yeah, exactly. The accuracy is a very important part of that. So it's like a it's a bit of a subtle difference. But does does that change your your way of thinking at all? Mm, honestly, not too sure. Now, when you put it that way, I gotta rethink my whole scenario now. So but I can tell you one thing. I honestly don't think it would end, this fight's gonna end 
and like a KO, a KO on either side. I don't know why I almost said KO, but <laughs> a KO on either side. I think it's going to go all 12 rounds. Hmm. Just by judging how they both fight, I don't see a knockout incoming. Nathan, you said when we were talking on uh, Ultimate Casual about if it were a stoppage, it would be, you think it would be Crawford's. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a couple things. One, there's mentality. I think Spence is the kind of guy that he's going to start fast and he's going to slowly keep putting his foot down on the gas there. He's going to want to wear you out over the course of time. And if a knockout comes, it comes. Mm-hmm. But Crawford, on the other hand, from the moment the first bell sounds, he's looking to figure you out. How do I land this one big counter shot or what is something I can do that's going to disrupt your style and give me an advantage? And so it's a small difference. Like both guys have got plenty of stoppages, but Crawford's side, he is specifically looking to take your head off or sneak in a body shot or do something that's going to hurt you. And he's done that to great success in every division he's fought in. Porter's, the, um, I would say, the best example, just if mm-hmm. we, when we want to cross compare. Absolutely. And, you know, that Porter fight's a great example because there's a lot of adversity there. I mean, For Porter sure. was dogging him in some rounds, and he still came out and very calmly and smoothly delivered that counter. And if he catches Spence like that, and there's like two minutes left in the round, that's deep water for Spence. Like you oh, better yeah. hope you better hope you're as good as swimming as you say you are. <laughs> the big fish, bro. Um, I was gonna say during the Porter fight, weren't they saying towards it, like in the later rounds, that Crawford was down on the rounds technically? That's when he came out with the KO. Yeah, I had him down up to round five. Six was kind of swingish, if I'm not mistaken, and then it was just a sweep. So like. It was uh, at least five rounds supporter, but that was most. The, to use the you know everybody's favorite term, downloading. That's that's what Crawford was doing though. That's exactly what he was doing was figuring out what Porter's doing. What is he doing that creates an opening for me? So it, with that being said, now do you think Spence is going to take the early rounds just based off his style, or is it just going to be a very slow couple first few swing rounds out of both of them? I think the first one, maybe two, will be feel out. Mm-hmm. After that, I think uh, with Crawford sort of on the back foot, hit, in himself still trying to figure out what's go- like how he's gonna play the play the game with Spence. Spence is going to press the issue, and his aggression will definitely take him through. I want to say up to round six before Crawford starts really turning it on. And then we're going to really see what both guys are made of. Mm. Still riding with Spence. Yeah, still still team Spence, 100%. It's just, as we are saying before, I mean, you could fucking flip a coin and either answer could be right. If Spence loses, uh, I'm bummed that the guy I I was hoping would win didn't. But at the same time, I'm not upset because Terrence Crawford is extremely talented. So what's the problem here? I don't see a problem. I think at the end of the day, the fans yeah, win regardless. Yeah, absolutely. I did have one idea pop into my head. If the feel-out rounds last longer than a round or two, say they go like four rounds, that would actually be a really good advantage for Crawford because yeah, you're right. Spence, is so, he comes out and rips the body in round one. Like he, he makes it a point to punish you to the body, and I think that's why his style works so well <laughs> in the later rounds. Yeah, he sets the um, tempo and like, this is what you're going to get every round right. that you're in the ring with me. But if there's any hesitancy to that strategy, 
I've never seen Spence hesitant to pull the trigger, but even in the back of my mind, I'm thinking about the eye injury and I'm thinking about the car wrecks. Well, if he does what he's done the rest of his career, it shouldn't be a problem. But now I'm sort of thinking, is there a chance that we see him take a little bit longer to get going? And if, if that, maybe that question, if that does happen, I think this fight could go a lot differently than maybe we're thinking. Maybe it becomes a bit more of a war in the later rounds. Oh, please. Um, or in the uh, middle rounds, if, if Spence finds himself down on the cards, when we get to round six or seven, maybe he really has to be forced to change something. Bu -bu 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 Stop. My penis can only get so erect. That would be Spence putting the pedal to the metal. Yes. In Crawford's best territory, which is the latter half of the fight. In the pocket where he counters. Mm -hmm. And Spence has to press the issue there. Oh man, that would be unbelievable. I would. So that brings me to a fun question. Since we're all Team Spence, of course, if we were Spence's coach, what's the one thing we'd be telling him to focus on for this fight? Body work. Because Crawford, as he starts figuring out what he wants to do, he is going to be more mobile. Take, mm -hmm. that, take that away from him early. I think that, and I would also really emphasize the jab. He has to establish his jab early because with counterpuncher heavy guys, that is like the one punch you, it's like the most difficult, it's like almost impossible to counter a sharp jab. Like it, it's gonna land, or it's gonna force you to move, right? Mm. Um, so if he can establish that early, that's another big win in his pocket. Definitely. Uh, I was gonna say, because Crawford is so mobile, maybe not so much in the beginning, but I would say, start aggressive and cut off the ring instantly and i feel like that will maybe that might throw off the crawford's game plan but just speculation of course oh man i'm really excited for this so yeah it's a it's another three three for um three pick for spence are you guys throwing bets down at all or? no no i i'm not gonna say this ever on uf cash but I thank you, David, I have for your a continued service. Keith over and on Discord. I thank each and every oh, one nice. of you for your time and patience with us I'm today. Start taking some bets uh, on Discord too. So whoever's on Team Crawford. Uh, there's not very many, but I could get you a list. Pontius Pilot. Yes, I'm that's gonna, that was what I was going to say. I'm going to reach out to all of them individually and make a bet. <laughs> Just go to betting slips and say, uh, "Yeah, how how confident are you?" Who wants to pay me on Saturday night or I yeah. guess Sunday morning? Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, Anything more on Spence, Spence Crawford? Uh, Team Spence, big fish, man down, strap season. You smoking know that, bud. We be We're going to have a crawfish bud. boil. Crawfish Dude, when, boil. When Spence wins, I'm buying a fucking strap season shirt. I don't care. I'm cutting that out. We don't need to hear me having fucking <laughs> dementia. Um, okay, so a little bit of housekeeping as we head out. Um, in the voiceover outro, uh, my homegirl Heidi says LVX Entertainment. If you go to that, it'll redirect you to LVX Media. Either one works. Yeah, yeah. I'm just not paying for her to re-say it because that's not, <laughs> not cheap. She's a prestigious name in in her industry, so I'm not I'm not fucking paying that again. Um, site revamp. Uh, I've been tweaking the layout a bit, so that's kind of fun. Um, just go have a look, lvxmedia.net, and phone number 833-589-7637. You can text, call, WhatsApp, whatever the fuck you feel like. You can reach out on there. 
And uh, tell me how much you love Bud so that I can uh, tell you that I'm going to have a crawfish boil in your honor. All right. So, parting words. Fuck Tyson uh, Fury. Fuck Tyson Fury. Get it back Tuesdays every single day. Strap season, baby. Strap season, man down. Big fish. All right, guys. Thank you for joining me on this Thursday. And, yeah, we will see you on the other side of Spence Crawford. Thanks for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you have any questions or comments on what was discussed or have a topic you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can leave a message on our unattended phone line at 833-589-7637. That's 833-LUX-PODS. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lvxentertainment.net.